with fall break, we're going to take one more absence from the book of Luke. Jimmy preached on a very relevant topic last week, and I wanted to do the same this morning. And as a way to introduce the message this morning, I want to ask you this question. What is the strongest muscle in the human body? I've already heard a couple of things. I heard the tongue. We're going to do this Baptist business meeting method. All in favor of the tongue, raise your hand. All right, you're wrong. First off, Jason would tell us, right, there's different ways to measure strength, right? There's absolute strength, right? My bench press is not exactly where I want it thanks to this 50-year-old tear in my labrum here, my shoulder. That's absolute strength. There's dynamic strength. How many times I could bench press, you know, if you go to the combine, NFL players, they can bench 250 pounds 50 times. I mean, it's crazy. That's dynamic strength. Then there's explosive strength, like the clean jerk, how much you could do explosively, quickly. And then there's endurance strength. That's your crazy people that run marathons, right? <laughs> so based on that, I'm going to give you your five strongest muscles. You don't have to write these down, but heart, endurance. You know in 70 years it will beat two and a half billion times? That's a muscle. Wow. Next is your masseter, your jaw muscle. And you said, yeah, I knew that was it. Those of us that have the spiritual gift of gab. <laughs> The human bite force can be up to 265 pounds. Of course, that pales to a hippo at 1,800. The soleus, which is in your calf area, it helps hold you upright. It's anti-gravity. That's dynamic and explosive strength. The gluteus maximus, which is the largest muscle in your body. I'll leave that one there. That's dynamic and explosive strength. And then the uterus is about all of them. Women rock. Hashtag women rock, right? Amen. Well, what about the tongue? There was a 2014 Scientific American article addressed this. Fact or fiction, tongue is the strongest muscle. And it said fiction. And then it started to address where this myth came from. And I found this quote very interesting. This is a scientific article. And it said, maybe people continue to believe in its power simply because the tongue is weird. It's literally inside your face and people like superlatives. And I'm thinking, this is a scientific article? Duh, it's inside your face? It said people want to attach some kind of est to it. Strong est. Here's the better, truer story. Why we most of us would answer the tongue, you know why? Because we all witness its destructive power on a regular basis. How powerful is it if speech set forth everything that we see in our universe? Just this week, and that's why this topic is relevant, we saw Trump and Corker fighting like third graders by Twitter. And one calling one a name and the other calling another a name. Jamel Hill, you may know her. She's the ESPN analyst. She was suspended because she cannot keep her mouth shut on Twitter. 
many of you have seen the big scandal that came out with Weinstein and Hollywood and Lena Dunham made a very sexist comment about that with regards to Clooney and his comments about Weinstein. Cam Newton made inappropriate comments to a female reporter and guess what? His million dollar contract with the yogurt company got canned. So in the midst of a day and time in which more than ever, I think the tongue spells T-R-O-U-B-L-E, it would do us well as Christians to revisit what I'm entitling this message, the incredible, terrible tongue. How is it incredible? Because it has the power to life. How is it terrible? Because it has the power to death. So stand with me. We're going to actually read three different uh, verses. Go ahead and turn to James 3. Y'all turn to James 3 and I'll get these other two. Stand with me to honor the reading of God's Word. You'll turn to James 3. More so than any of the verses, which we're going to do some preacher aerobics this morning, I want you to know these three verses. Psalm 141.3. If you want to write these down, I'll say them again in a minute. Set a guard, O Lord, over my mouth. Keep watch over the door of my lips. There'd be a lot of us that would do well to use that as a daily devotion. For we walk out the door. Lord, put a cage on my mouth. Set up a policeman over my mouth that I won't use it inappropriately today. Proverbs 18, 21, I reference to this. Death and life are in the power of the tongue, and those who love it will eat its fruits. And then James chapter 3. Not many of you should become teachers, my brothers, for you know that we who teach will be judged with greater strictness. For we all stumble in many ways, and if anyone does not stumble in what he says, he is a perfect man, able also to bridle his whole body. If we put bits into the mouth of horses so that they obey us, we guide their whole bodies as well. Look at the ships also. Though they are so large and are driven by strong winds, they are guided by a very small rudder wherever the will of the pilot directs. So also the tongue is a small member, yet it boasts of great things. How great a forest is set ablaze by such a small fire, and the tongue is a fire, a world of unrighteousness. The tongue is set among our members, staining the whole body, setting on fire the entire course of life, and set on fire by hell. For every kind of beast and bird and of reptile and sea creature can be tamed and has been tamed by mankind, but no human being can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil full of deadly poison. With it we bless our Lord and Father, and with it we curse people who are made in the likeness of God. From the same mouth come blessing and cursing. My brothers, these things ought not to be so. Does a spring pour forth from the same opening, both fresh and salt water? Can a fig tree, my brothers, bear olives, or a grapevine produce figs? Neither can a salt pond yield fresh water. The Word of God to the people of God, preaching the power of the Spirit of God. Let's pray. Father. We come to you today, Father, and each and every one of us in this room has a problem. Father, if we're honest with ourselves, there is no way that any of us could stand up here today and say that our speech is what it needs to be. And so, Father, we pray that you would help us to learn through the power of the Holy Spirit and through the example of your precious Son, the power of the tongue, and how to tame it, Father. Father, we thank you for this day you've given us to come and to worship you. We thank you for the music that has stirred our heart. And Father, we pray as we continue to worship 
that you will just unclog our ears, Father, and help us to hear the word that will be preached. Father, help me to just decrease so that you can increase and speak through me. Father, you know that I'm not worthy to be here and to proclaim your perfect word, but we know that as it goes forth, it will accomplish each and everything that you want it to do. And so I pray that it will do that today. Help us each to understand the incredible, terrible tongue. It's in Jesus' wonderful and precious name we pray. Amen. I'm going to give you 12 things that I thought of, and they're not in this necessarily these texts. I just wanted to give you those as basic texts. 12 things to think of with regards to the tongue. First is the Bible gives great attention to our tongue. The Bible gives great attention to our tongue. There's a website I go to frequently, openbible.info, and it's got a great thing on there, a tab for topical. You can find, you want to know what the Bible says, A to Z, it's got it on there. And so if you look up, what does the Bible say about tattoos? You can find 12 references. Healthy living, 19. The angel Gabriel, 22. Hunting, 61. I told my wife I need to be in the woods. The tongue, a hundred plus. A hundred plus. Just from that alone, you see how much weight the Bible puts on this little thing back behind our teeth. Turn to Genesis chapter 3. From the Old Testament to the New Testament, Genesis to Revelation, the Bible speaks about the tongue. What started to get Adam into trouble? His tongue. When God wanted to create something, He used what? Words. When Satan wanted to destroy something, what did He use? Words. Now the serpent was more crafty than another beast of the field that the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, did God actually say? Did you hear Him talk right? I don't think you heard His tongue right. I don't think you heard what He said right. You shall not eat of any tree in the garden. And so look at verse 10. And he said, I heard the sound of you in the garden and I was afraid because I was naked and I hid myself. And then verse 12, the man said, The woman whom you gave to be with me, she gave me fruit of the tree and I ate. That woman you gave me is such a blessing. Well, now she's a problem. He starts immediately cursing God with his tongue. He doesn't use a four-letter curse word, but he starts to curse God with his tongue and put the blame of what he did on who? God. And so we just looked at the Psalms Psalm 141, set a cage over my mouth, a door over my mouth. Turn to Matthew chapter 5. The Gospels. We'll look eventually in some of the letters that Paul wrote, Colossians and Ephesians. 1 Peter, we just read from James. What does Jesus preach about in His first and most massive sermon? Look at what He says in Matthew 5, 22. But I say to you that everyone who is angry with his brother will be liable to judgment, whoever what? Insults his brother. Well, how do you insult your brother? With your tongue. Will be liable to the counsel and whoever what? Says you fool will be liable to the hell of fire. And the summation of the Bible's attention to the tongue is this. In one word, it's untamable. And wasn't that what James said? You ever been to a circus... You ever seen what men can do with animals at a circus? A lion will sit 
animals will jump through a hoop. You ever seen a, a bear on a bicycle? Any of you ever been to SeaWorld? We went to SeaWorld and I was just amazed at what these trainers can train these massive, huge animals to do. Y'all remember Flipper? He was a popular TV series. He wasn't real, but Tuffy was real. Y'all know who Tuffy was? He was part of the U.S. Navy's program, Sea Lab 2, off the coast of San Diego in 1966. He would carry mail from the surface to a crew 205 feet below and even transported tools down. Humans can tame the most untamable of animals, yet the Bible summation of the tongue is that we can't tame it. Alright, number two. The tongue is a powerful and unruly member. You say, well, I know that. I wonder how many of us know that here, but we allow it to then travel the six to eight inches necessary to our tongue to actually impact what we do with it. Unruly. One person said that gossip is the devil's whispers that burn everything in its path, the IA tongues untamed. I mentioned Psalm 141.3 there. We need to put a 24-7, 365 policeman at the opening of our mouth. Turn to 1 Peter chapter 3. Verse 10, it says, Whoever desires to love life and see good days, let him keep his tongue from evil and his lips from speaking deceit. So it's unruly and it's powerful. The tongue's three inches long, but it said it can kill a man six feet high. I read Proverbs 18.21. It has life and death in it. What about a scalpel? What can a surgeon do with a scalpel? Cut and bring life. You know, when I was sick several years ago with appendix, surgeon used a scalpel to get the thing out. You know what a madman can do with a scalpel? Can destroy. The same tool can cause life and death. You know what I thought we were going to have to do in my office a couple weeks ago? Came the closest I ever really thought that a patient was going to code in my office in which we were going to have to do CPR in the office. Not because anything I did. He's just sick, you know, man. But if I would have had a syringe of medicine and shot that in his vein, he'd have sprung back to life, right? What can a drug addict do with the same syringe? You see the point? You see the illustration, don't you? You understand that the same thing can on the one hand cause death, but on the other hand bring life. It's very, very powerful. James refers to it as a fire. You know about the Chicago fire of 1800s? Burned down half of Chicago, most of it. You know how it started? One cow kicked over one lantern. One little thing that we say with our tongue can spark a whole forest fire. Alright, so that's the second thing. The third thing is we must guard against sinning with our tongues. Many of you know Vicki and I went to Florida State game a couple weeks ago. It was her first Florida State game. She's been a fan all these years and never watched them play. And of course, they're playing Miami, and guess who comes and sits down right behind us? 
none other than two Miami fans all decked out in their orange and their green. And let me tell you, within the first 60 seconds, I had to turn and look at Vicki. You know when you've been married 17 years, you can turn and look at somebody and you don't have to say a word. I turned and looked at her and it was like, you're going to have to be quiet for the next three hours. Because I could tell these guys were going to be unruly and powerful with their tongue. And they sat there and they said words, and I've heard a lot of crazy words. I grew up in a house with a father who was an ex-Marine and let lots of curse words fly. And I used to do the same. But I'm telling you, I have never been in two people's presence within a short, such a short period of time that they used as much expletives as they did. And Vicky pointed out to me that one of the guys had on a cross necklace. But you see, he gave zero thought to the fact that he was sinning every second with his tongue. Literally, almost every second. And you say, well, yeah, well, I don't cuss. And I would ask you these things. Do you gossip? What does the Bible say about that? Do you slander people? You know what I found was very interesting in my study in this week? Many of us may know, y'all heard me say it before, Leviticus 19.18, right? It's the most quoted Old Testament verse in the New Testament. It says, you shall love your neighbor. You know what it says just before that two verses? Don't slander them. You want to love your neighbor? You want to love the brother or sister in the pew beside you? Don't slander them. Turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 12. Turn there because every one of us needs to read this. Hear it. You're going to hear it, but Jimmy and I like to hear when you flip these pages and see you flipping the pages. Then we know you got a Bible, number one. Number two, we know you're awake. Listen to what Paul told the church at Corinth. I wonder if he would still say this same thing to a lot of churches today. I would have to say yes. Chapter 12, verse 20. I fear that perhaps when I come, I may find you not as I wish, and that you may find me not as you wish, that perhaps there may be what? Quarreling, jealousy, anger, hostility, slander, gossip, conceit, and disorder. Brothers and sisters, we may not as Christians be letting a curse word fly every second, but I wonder how many of us are guilty of this, gossiping and slandering each other. Vicky said she wanted to turn around to that guy and say, did you kiss your mama with that mouth? I said it wouldn't have probably done much good, but we ought to ask ourselves, would I kiss God with that mouth? Psalm 19.14, may the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O God. May what Buffy Cook says every day be acceptable to God, that I would kiss Him with that mouth. Then think, are we hypocritical? Brutal? What does the Bible tell us to do? We've talked about it many times. Speak the truth in love, right? The truth without love is brutal. The love without truth is hypocritical. And then Ephesians 4, 29. Are we here to build each other up or tear each other down? 
I haven't been out here in Sunday school, but I can tell you I know what Kevin has been saying out here in Sunday school. He has been telling us as a church that what we need to do is be what? A Barnabas. We need to be encouragers. You know what an encourager does? He builds up. He doesn't tear down. Let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths, but only such is good for building up. That's what we're here to do. And then don't be, James 5.12 says, let your yes be yes and your no be no. Be careful what you tell the Lord. How many times have some of us said, now Lord, if you'll just get me out of this, this one time, I will never do that again. Lord, if you'll just do this, then I'll do that. We need to be careful in what we say to the Lord. Amen? So what's the solution to not sinning against our, or sinning with our tongue? Cage it, like we talked about. And the other is to memorize Scripture. If we'll start to put some of these things in our mind, right? I've stored your word up in my heart, so what? I will not sin against you. If we'll memorize some of these verses about speech, then it will help us as far as our walk with the Lord. Alright, number four. We as Christians are called to a higher standard. We as Christians are called to a higher standard. The story is told of Winston Churchill and Lady Astor, and there was no love lost between the two of them. And so they were engaged in this verbal fight. And she told him, she said, if I were your wife, I'd put arsenic in your tea. And he said, and if I were your husband, I'd drink it. <laughs> now that may very well be true, right? But the point is, he's the prime minister. He is at a higher standard. You fast forward 50 years. And can I say, I don't care how you vote. Republican or Democrat, I think we all in here can say somebody needs to take Donald Trump's Twitter account and destroy it. He says stuff without even thinking. What he has to understand is he's the POTUS. He's the President of the United States, the greatest country in this world. He's at a higher standard. You know why I don't post some of the stuff that I would like to post? You know how many times that there's sometimes patients say stuff to me and I think, that's the dumbest thing I've heard of. I've heard a pharmacist tell me something and I think that's the stupidest thing and in my flesh, you know what I want to do? I want to post it on Facebook. But in my spirit, you know what I know? Number one, as a Christian, I'm already at this standard. And then even though, as I have said, you don't have a layman's Bible and I have a pastor's Bible, we're all called to the same standard, the ideology of people is that because I'm a pastor and because Jimmy's a pastor and because Kevin is, then we're even up here at this standard. So you know why I don't say stuff like that? And you won't go find just rattling off about things of how I'm irritated with my family or irritated with this or irritated with that on Facebook because I am held to a higher standard. We as Christians need to get that through our head. We are little Christ. And you can dishonor Jesus' name because you can use His name in vain, but then you can also say stuff that doesn't use His name in vain, but it still stains His name nevertheless. Amen? Look at 1 Peter 1.15. You know, I wonder if we had a a community-wide Bible study, and I said, we're going to teach on the book of Revelation. It's open to the whole Tipton County. 
you couldn't get you couldn't throw a rock in here or as somebody said you couldn't sling a dead cat and not hit a hundred people but if I then said, now we're going to have a Bible study down at Crossway on 1 Peter 1.15, you be holy as I am holy, you'd swing a dead cat and you wouldn't hit nobody. But as He who called you is holy, you also be holy in all your conduct. What does all your conduct include? What you say. So we're held to a different level. I wonder if Jesus had a Facebook or Twitter account, what it would look like. I know one thing that it would not look like. It would not look like a lot of Christians' Facebook and Twitter accounts that I know. Brothers and sisters, the outside world is looking at us. Colossians 4, 6, Let your speech always be gracious, seasoned with salt. Sometimes salt stings, but it also heals, and we need to be healing the world with our tongues. 1 Timothy 4, 12, that's our verse for impact. What is part of it that we're to set an example as far as to the believers in our speech? I may have told y'all this story before, maybe I haven't, but when I was a resident, we had a resident who was a brilliant guy, and I, other people really didn't like being on rotation with him, but I love being on rotation with him. Pete Council. That guy, I mean, if there's anybody, I'm not trying to be boastful, there's anybody smarter than me, definitely Pete was leaps and bounds smarter than our entire residency class. The guy was a genius, but he was not very couth in what he would sometimes say, and he definitely wasn't very social in how he would dress and his appearance. And so one time, our program director literally pinned him to the wall, took scissors out of his pocket, and started trimming his hair around his ears and his nose, not his head hair, around his ears and his nose, and he said, you're a doctor. Take pride in your appearance. I wonder how many of us Jesus would pin to the wall and start trimming our tongue and say, you're a little me. You need to talk like it. Because we're called to a higher standard. Alright, number five. Even the greatest of saints battled their tongues. Someone said there was a t-shirt that said, Lord, make my words sweet as honey because tomorrow I may have to eat them. There were a lot of saints that needed that t-shirt. There's maybe some of us in here today that need it. If you go through the Hebrews Hall of Faith in chapter 11, listen to this. Abraham, what did he do? He lied. What did Sarah do? Oh, I'm going to have a baby? Ha ha, laughed. Joseph was borderline arrogant. Moses, what did he do? Argued with God, got angry with his people. Oh, Samson. What didn't Samson do? Amen. I'm going to give you a riddle and you try and figure it out. Jephthah made a rash vow against his daughter. David with Nabal. Oh, you're not going to give me anything to eat? Hey, boys, y'all strap on your swords. We're going to go down there and we're going to kill everybody in this household. And his last words, a man after God's own heart, he told his son, he said, you remember that guy, Shema, that was cussing me and throwing rocks at me? Be sure he gets what he deserves. Peter, oh, Peter. Jesus, you're not going to the cross. We're never going to let that happen. What does Jesus turn around and say? Get behind me, Satan. You don't know what you're even talking about, son. So don't fool yourself. If they battled it and they're in the hall of faith, guess what you're going to do? You're going to battle it. As we were going through Old Testament 1, we talked about David 
A man after God's own heart. But if you really look at David's life, he was quite the card, wasn't he? But you know the one thing that you could say about David? That he loved the Lord as God with all his heart, soul, mind, and strength. And when he messed up, David repented. And that's what many of us need to do. When we mess up, brothers and sisters, we need to repent because God is faithful and just to cleanse us from all unrighteousness when we do and when we confess it. Amen? Alright, number six. There's a time to speak and a time to shut up. How many of you have had your kid come and say, Mama, uh, Matthew said the S word. And then they said, he said the SH word. And then you're thinking, oh Lord, don't want to hear this. He said, shut up. But do you know shut up ought to be in all of our vocabularies as Christians? Turn to Ecclesiastes. What did James say? You got two ears and a mouth for one reason. So be quick to hear and what? Slow to speak. The time, basically he's saying it in a nice way, that you need to shut up. Look at Ecclesiastes. Ecclesiastes 3, 7. A time to tear, or a time to tear and a time to sow, a time to keep silence, and a time to speak. Ephesians 5, 2. Be not rash with your mouth, nor let your heart be hasty to utter a word before God, for God is in heaven and you are on earth. Therefore, let your words be few. If the smartest man ever said, let your words be few and you ought to be quiet, you know what we ought to be? Quiet at times. There was a young lady that was employed by this corporation and her job was to train employees in the proper dress code and etiquette. Or etiquette. So she had uh, been working that day and she uh, gets onto the elevator and this man steps onto there with her as well and she's got several trainees uh, with her and he's dressed, you know, just casually in jeans and a golf uh, shirt. And so she's thinking of her responsibilities and the people she's got there and, and she says to this guy, she says, well, we're dressed a little casual today, aren't you? And he said, well, that's one benefit of owning the company. She should have been just quiet. So a six-foot-tall Texan walked into McDonald's. He slammed his fists on the counter and he said, I want half a Big Mac. The girl said, what? He said, I want half a Big Mac. And I want it right now. She's thinking, half a Big Mac? It's crazy. So she turns around, goes to her manager, talks to her manager. She doesn't realize the guy's walking behind her. And she goes up and she says, there's this big six-foot-tall you know, idiot out here who thinks that you can order half a Big Mac. And uh, she turns around and sees the guy and she says, and this gentleman wants the other half. <laughs> There's a time to speak and a time to be quiet. Alright, number seven. You know what words do? They simply express what's right here. Words simply express what's in our heart. Remember that Miami fan I was talking about in the cross necklace? What really belied the fact that he had a saving relationship with Jesus? Now he may. But what more than ever, what was coming out of his mouth? What does Jesus say? Matthew 15, 11. My wife started to quote it. He called the people to him and he said to them, Hear and understand, it's not what goes into the mouth that defiles a person, but what comes out of the mouth, this defiles a person. And if you remember in Luke 6, 45, 
when we were there a couple weeks ago. The good person out of the good treasure of his heart produces good. The evil person out of his evil treasure produces evil. For out of the abundance of the heart, his mouth speaks. The story was told of a farmer. He had such terrible language, parents wouldn't even let their kids go near him. Somebody had the bravery to go up and invite him to church, and he came to church and he got saved. And you know what was one of the first things that changed when he got saved? His tongue. His language. He said, I have been so dramatically changed that even my horses don't understand me. When Christ comes into the heart, you know what reflects it? The mouth. You can ask my wife. She's lived with me for 17 years. Had to endure one of those. Had to endure 17 years, let's be honest. But... She had to endure one of those in which I was lost as a ball in high weeds. And she can tell you what my tongue is like today and what my tongue was like that first year. Number eight, our tongues will testify against us on Judgment Day. Y'all remember Flick? Here's you some Christmas Jeopardy. Who was it that got his tongue stuck to the pole in Christmas Story? Flick. Remember the triple dog there. You're not going to stick your tongue to the frozen pole. And sure enough, he does. And the kids all go back in. And the teacher looks out and he's out there writhing around in pain because his tongue is stuck to the pole, right? There's a lot of folks on Judgment Day. They won't have their tongue literally stuck to a frozen pole, but it's going to get them in trouble. Matthew 12, 36, if you want to notate it. We're going to come back to it in the time of invitation. Jesus said, I tell you, on the day of judgment, people give account for every careless word they speak, for by your words you'll be justified, and by your words you will be condemned. 1 Corinthians 6, 9-11. Paul, I'm giving a list of what people used to be like before they were washed and justified. He says that folks were revilers. He says that folks that are liars in Revelation 21-8, that their portion will be in the lake of fire. So what's your tongue going to say about you on judgment day? What will Christ's tongue say about you on Judgment Day? Will it say, well done, or depart from me, I never knew you? Number nine, we fulfill the great commandment with our tongue. That's actually number nine and number ten, both. We fulfill the great commandment with our tongue. Number nine is that we love God by it. Jimmy's mentioned before that folks show up to church and really all they have an interest in doing is just throwing a 20 in the plate and heading home. You know what many of us would do well to do? Instead of throwing a 20 in the plate, put our tongue in there. How would you answer to an alien that just dropped on this planet, which I don't think there are any, let's say there were, how would you drop, tell an alien, well this is how you know somebody's spiritual. This is how somebody's religious. I tell you how a lot of folks would say it, they would say, well they go to church, they do some good stuff. They give some money. They pray before they eat. You know, you got to be sure you do that. Pray before you eat McDonald's. What does the Bible say? James 1, 26. If anyone thinks he's religious and does not bridle his tongue but deceives his heart, 
this person's religious religion is worthless. When throw 20s in the plate, when come to church all day, and brothers and sisters, if our tongues don't reflect it, we're blind. What's in our heart? Number 10, we fulfill it with our tongues because we love people with it. Buy it. Proverbs 16, 24. It's a great verse. Gracious words are like a honeycomb, sweetness to the soul and health to the body. I mentioned Colossians 4, 6 earlier that our speech is like salt, that it heals, it disinfects, it preserves. And then number 11 and 12, it's the same thing, just one word different. Our only hope for our tongue, number 11, is the Spirit. Y'all know why I don't ride horses? Because I don't mess with animals that are larger than me unless I have a gun in my hands. That's what I've jokingly told a lot of patients that come in. they got their arm like this because they've been on some horse. But you know that you can tame that horse how? With just a little bit that's in it. Dr. Evans says, whoever controls the bit controls the beast. There's no hope for Buffy Cook in his tongue in the flesh. The only hope for Buffy Cook in his tongue is that the Holy Spirit is the bit in my mouth. And then as Galatians 5 says that I would walk by the Spirit and I would be led by the Spirit and my speech would reflect it. Then number 12, our only hope for our tongue is the Son. He's our engineer. It says whenever you accept Him or you receive Him, you become a new creation. He engineers a new person. He's our example. What did He do when people were spitting on Him and striking Him in the head? and cursing him all manner, mocking him. You think you're this and you think you're that, then come on down from there, big boy. Praise God he didn't come down. Amen? It says what? That he was led as a sheep for the slaughter. And you know what he did? He didn't even open his mouth. When the high priest is sitting there railing on him, didn't open his mouth. When did he finally open his mouth? When he said, I adjure you. When he says, I'm going to put you under oath. And Jesus then at that point knew he was under oath and he had to tell the truth. 1 Peter 1.15, what we said, is he who called you is holy, you also be holy in all your conduct and that includes your speech. In closing, there was a Greek philosopher, Xanthus, and he had invited all these influential and, and, and very wealthy and powerful guests over to his home for dinner. And he told them with the invitation, he said, it's going to be a two-night party. He said, in the first night, I'm going to serve you the best possible meal. And the second night, I'm going to serve you the worst possible meal. So all these people come and he told his servant about this and he said, I want you to go to the marketplace and I want you tonight prepare the best dinner you possibly can. So he sends him off to the market and they all sit down for their first dinner and you know what they had? Nothing but tongue. Four or five courses of tongue. How would you like to have tongue for appetizer, tongue for meal, and tongue for dessert? And he obviously got a little irritated and he said to his servant, didn't I tell you to go get the best thing in the market? He said, I did. Isn't the tongue 
the organ of sociability, the organ of eloquence, the organ of kindness, the organ of worship. With it we bless and communicate happiness, dispel sorrow, remove despair, cheer the faint-hearted, inspire the discouraged, and say a hundred other things to uplift mankind. He said, well, tomorrow, you better do what I said, and tomorrow you get the worst meal and prepare that for us, the worst thing in the market. Come back, everybody gathers the second night, and you know what they had? Tongue. Tongue in this shape, tongue in that shape, tongue for dessert. He's losing his patience and lost it. And he said, didn't I tell you to get the worst thing in the market? He said, I did. Isn't the tongue the organ of blasphemy, the organ of defamation, the organ of lying? With it we curse and bless human hearts, destroy reputations, promote discord and strife, set families, communities, and nations at war with each other. He was quite the wise servant, wasn't he? Remember in James 3, he gives all these double-natured things. Can a spring bring forth fresh and salt water? No. If you go out to a fig tree, are you going to get olives? No. If you go out to a grapevine, are you going to get fig newtons? No. If you go to a salt pond, are you going to get fresh water? No. If you take the tongue, can you get blessing and cursing? Yes. The Lord set a cage over our mouth. I think in a day, as I said, in which we see on a regular daily basis, even the most prominent people in our society daily using their tongue to get them into trouble, that we as Christians would do well to revisit our tongues ourselves and realize that we have been held to a higher example. And brothers and sisters, only in the power of the Spirit and only by the example of the Son will we ever be able to tame them. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this day. Thank you for each person that has come here today. Father, I pray a blessing upon them for being here today. Father, we thank you, though, already that you have given us every spiritual blessing. Father, we are as good because of the truth that Jesus came and died. And Father, he didn't just stay dead, that he was resurrected. And he sits at your right hand. And Father, because of our belief and trust in him and our repentance, Father, that we are already seated with him at the right hand of God. Thank you. Father, for that truth. Oh, how that helps us to face each and every day and to have hope for the future. Father, knowing that, that we have a kingdom that cannot be shaken. Thank you for that. Father, we pray that each and every one of us, that you would set a cage over our tongue, that you would help us to realize, Father, that we carry in our tongue the power of life and the power of death. And help us, Father, to always have speech that is gracious, seasoned with salt, restrained by the Spirit, and Father, that uh, speaks after the example of the Son. I pray as we come to this time of invitation, if there's any here today that make, needs to make any decision, be it recommitting their life to Christ, be it receiving Christ, that Father, today would be the day that a sinner comes home. We ask you would bless this time of invitation now in the precious name of Jesus. Amen. Come back to Matthew. Let me find this verse again. Any of you that like scary movies, Halloween is 16 days away. Wife tried to get us to go to scary, a haunted house last night after driving eight hours. I'm like, I want to go home, sit down on the couch and watch some football. I've said it before. You know there's no scarier verse than Hebrews 9.27. It's appointed for man to die once and then the judgment. 
But as I was looking over this and this morning, you, I thought, you know, that might actually be eclipsed by Matthew twelve thirty six. I tell you, on the day of judgment, people will give account for every careless word they speak. You know, the Bible is clear that there is not one of us without guilt. You want to show how you are guilty before a three-time holy God? Think of what you just said within the last week alone. How many careless words that you let go. And so what is Jesus saying here? Well, first, your only hope is Romans 8, 1, right? There's now no condemnation for those that are in Christ Jesus. We're not going to have to give an account for the sins that He's already bore on the cross. But you know what? It's not, it is not a license for us to then just sin freely with our tongue. And so some of us may need to recommit our tongue to the Lord today. And so if that's something that you want to do, come today and just recommit to the altar and just say, Lord, just set a guard over my mouth. But second, what is Jesus saying here? What's in context? He says, either make the tree good and its fruit good or make the tree bad and its fruit bad for the tree is known by its fruit. You know there's no truer indication of bad fruit than what? Bad speech. And so as I said earlier, what's your tongue going to say about you on Judgment Day? Is it going to say that you received Christ and that you're standing in His righteousness alone and that's the only way you stand faultless before a three-time holy God? Because without that, there's no way any of us could ever stand guiltless before Him. Amen? So as we stand and sing this morning, whatever it may be that God is calling you to do this morning, to come and recommit to Him or to receive Christ as Lord and Savior, or to come and be baptized, or to become a member of this church, whatever God is speaking to you this morning, listen to Him as we sing. Page 317. Come every soul by sin oppressed, there's mercy with the Lord. And He Surely give you rest by trusting in His Word. Only trust Him, only trust Him, only trust Him now. He will save you.